Podcast 090, Jeff Lawton, Part 2. Sponsored by my buddies at PantryParatus.com. They sell food preservation tools. Produce, prepare, preserve your own harvest. All right, so this is, I guess, part two of visiting with Jeff Lawton. Um, and uh, uh, Jeff, I, I think this time, because uh, we ran out of time last time, so this time, uh, it, since I, I think it's only fair to go right into the things that you want to talk about. And so I, I have it written down here that you want to talk about something called, uh, that you refer to as be cooperative, not territorial. What what is that all about? Well, the thing is that. Um Permaculture, since the very beginning, has been, had so stimulated so much interest and so much, so much inquiry. That inquiry um, has continued to increase and accelerate. So it's, in, it's in, the in, increase and acceleration continues to get away from us. Um, I, I really don't think we need to specialize in knocking on doors that don't open and and trying to convince people too much that are not interested we really just have to try and keep up with the people that are coming in our direction Um, it's quite opposite to most business ethics where you you know you don't tell your competition what you're doing or you don't encourage anybody to take up the same business or or, or share your your style of success or or your successful techniques of, of promoting uh, the business itself. Permaculture needs to be um, very cooperative. We, we promote everybody we can, anybody that wants to uh, take part in education or consultancy or design work. We advertise permaculture design certificate courses just three kilometers from where, where our institute is, other people are teaching, and we put them up online. We can't facilitate the inquiry. It, 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 it's, uh, it's kind of silly to be uh, territorial about where you teach, where you design, and where you consult. The more, the better. Every city in America could have a thousand permaculture schools, and we still wouldn't cover the ground we actually need to cover. We're unfortunately in a boom industry, and we just... It, 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 it's quite the opposite to, to how you would normally think about business and, and that's very true of most things in permaculture. You almost have to turn everything in the um, destructive, competitive world upside down, turn it on its head. So um, I just encourage everybody to completely cooperate, share everything. It, it's very much the third ethic and um, help everybody teach. You know, it, it wouldn't matter if you're teaching next door to somebody else. Um, you know, um, then maybe we can get the job done and, and, and end up in that abundant world we know is possible by, by good design. So then I, I take it that when you say uh, not territorial, you're, you're seeing some problems in that space and it's, it's kind of gumming up the works? Well, the problem is the solution, always. So what that's... <laughs> You know what 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 that has created is is people that have aimed at those areas to make sure that 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 dissipates so uh, if you put up a territorial type of uh, approach in 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 a in a region today uh, what happens is you that in itself will encourage people to go there um, to um, 
um, to go into action because they realise you have uh, you're, you're trying to protect a surplus of work, and and it's a it's a statement that uh, to say oh uh, I've got too much and I'm trying to protect it instead of you know I've got so much uh, can you come here and help me? Okay. All right. So, so maintain networks, uh, maintain exchanges of information, uh, and that sort of thing. And 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 maybe part of the thing to do is is that when putting together marketing materials, to put together collaborative marketing materials. Uh, um, co- well, basically, you use the word cooperative. There is such a thing as co-op advertising, where you can go get the advertising space that you need. But there might, instead of just one person getting the advertising space, there might be five different people or five different organizations each getting the advertising space together. Yeah, give, give away more than you take. See if you can. I challenge okay. you. <laughs> All right. What would be an example of give away more than you take? Well, you, you give away you know, more, more information than, than you try taking from people. Um, you know, give, give away more of your, your, your um, successful results. No, give away uh, more of your uh, more of your um, failures, so that pe- other people don't need to make those failures. Don't don't you know in- encourage people to um, move forward and, in, instead of letting them trip up and, and, and make mistakes you've already made. Um, in- encourage people to go faster than yourself. Encourage t- people to teach better than yourself, design better than yourself, consult better than yourself. I mean, that's all we really mostly do. You know, you either you either get out there and and, and look after yourself and just apply permaculture in the physical world, or you 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 consult, design, or or teach. And and you know what what you're doing with your forums and your in your web work is you're you're helping people connect so they can do all these things better true i i mean but that's just me i'm i'm uh, i'm i'm bonkers about this stuff and what i do but at the same time i'm kind of thinking like okay well i'm, I'm trying to think of like somebody who's got like a a practice they've got uh, i don't know they're 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 a designer uh, a permaculture designer somewhere and and so i'm trying to imagine so they, they probably have a website um and i'm trying to think maybe what you're saying is make sure you have a blog where you you take you know uh what you're what you're doing and, and put that information out there. Um, I, I, of course, would say, hey, come share that out at Permies um, so we can all, you know, or, or put it on your blog and link to your blog from Permies. Um, and there's the PRI forums also. Um, and and uh, But I, I also know that a lot of people aren't as into the computer things as other people are. Um, but they they still find ways to share their information. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the, what you're describing is a is a is a typical infection. It's not that you 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 or I are that unique. We just we just accept the fact that we're we're infected with permaculture, and um, and it's more or less terminal. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's how it should be after a good PDC. You should be terminally infected with permaculture and you should share your infection as much as possible. You shouldn't go into an isolation ward and try not to infect other people. Get out there and infect as many as you damn well can. 
Well, uh, yeah, I, I know I feel powerfully compelled to to get the word out. Um, and, and, uh, uh, I, and I also know that there are a lot of people that um, I, I try to put out something each day, uh, not so much in the last month because we're moving to the new forums, but I try to put out something each day and I ask people to, you know, take the things that they like and, and, and pass them on and, and that that helps get the information out there and helps to build. I mean, if, I think if you go to somebody and you say, hey, you, what, you do, what you're doing now is icky, stop it. You need to do permaculture instead. I, I think that doesn't make a lot of progress. I, I think that if instead you come and say, um, hey, uh, uh, look at this, a rocket mass heater. Oh, hey, look at this, a hugel culture bed. You know, if you have a hugel culture bed, you don't have to water it. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, you know, all these, and you, you kind of list off things, and then, and then if, if after the end of each one you say, and that's permaculture, then after a while they've heard permaculture like seven or eight times, and then they say, hey, you know what I think I want to tr- look into? This permaculture. And now they're tasted up for it. They want it. Uh, well, anyway, so I'm sorry. I, I wandered off into my own little philosophy space there. And this is actually, I'm supposed to be interviewing you. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, I put in quite a lot of work in the ground and on my own sites um, in between teaching, designing, consulting, and, and working overseas. And, and I find that. Um, it's never very long before I have to put one day aside for tours because people keep arriving to see what you're doing because you've got these different elements in position and in it the inquiry just keeps arriving and um, it, it makes you dysfunctional so you're forced into having one day as a tour day um, so you know the, it, it, it demonstrates its own successes and, and, and that's what your system should do. You should let your systems demonstrate their evolutions and then dynamically adjust. And often it's just the inquiry of people coming towards you. You're forced into teaching because people keep, they keep coming and asking you to teach. You're forced into consulting because of that. Um, and and your, your work out there on the web is, is forcing more, you know, you, you're creating that interest. People are coming towards you because of that. You're using that particular medium. Um, and that's what we all should do because we've got to get to this tipping point where it becomes just an evolution of the way we think. It's an an evolution of humanity. And uh, the quicker we get there, the, 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 you know, the the, the faster we'll be in that really comfortable space we all want to be in. We don't want to be in this situation. We want to be in a different space. And it's a wonderfully exciting space. And it, identif- it identifies us as the people of the land and the land of the people. I like it. I like it. <clears throat> I, I especially like the part where you said, I'm cool. Well, I just, that's what I heard. Maybe you actually use different words. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to the next piece. Um, one of the things that that, uh, that you wanted to talk about was layers of community we need to work in. Hmm. I think we need to use people as an analogy. It's like layers in a food forest. You need to see the layers in the world of people. So um, just to talk about America, we have the African-American layer. And um, we have the uh, Latino layer. In Australia, we have uh, a a large amount of uh, Greek uh, expatriate people and Greek culture people. Uh, Worldwide, we have all sets of of cultures. Um, We have an Islamic layer. 
which I'm working with very much. Um, and, and we need to see these, these layers as opportunities to uh, plan up. And, and, and if we don't, you know, these are, these are niches in, in the human forest, if you like. These are, these are open niches. And we need to, you know, when you, when you finish a permaculture course, a PDC, a, um, a lot of teachers will advise you, create a niche and fill it. Find a niche and fill it. And, and these are, there are some very big open niches out there. Um, the corporate niche, you know, the, 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 the hyper wealthy niche. Um, we tend to look on, you know, we tend to be looking at the, the very large, you know, there, there are obviously very large numbers in the poverty niche of humanity and, and, and very commendable work, of course. Um, there's a there's a smaller niche of the hyper rich, but they potentially have more influence, and and they're in that. You know, a lot of these people they they. They've often been born into that particular layer, and, and, and it probably isn't their you know fault necessarily, or they, they don't necessarily understand where they're coming from as a, a comfort zone. But everybody's well educated, and everybody's well informed today. Um, we need to see those those niches. I think there's some very open opportunities there. Okay. Well. How how is it they use the word layers instead of aspects? I'm I'm trying to understand because when I look at, when I think of a food forest, I see layers because there's like the layers that are ne very near the ground, and then of course you've also got your your layers that are going to be your upper canopy, which are going to be very high up. I would I would think that it might be like edge might be a, a good, but. I mean, cause as you're describing this, it seems like you're because when I think of edge, I think there's edge as in water edge. Um, some places are really dry, some places are really wet. You know, we've got so many edges, and then there's transitions between the two. And then we've got things like um, light edge, how much light we get, and then and then there's pH edge. Like some, if you're near a coniferous tree, oftentimes the pH is lower. Um, yeah, I mean the edge stuff. is always exciting. I mean you're always, you know, if you're not living on the edge, you're not, you know, you're taking up too much space and all these great little sayings like this. But yeah, I mean there, there's, there's, you know, the creativity and, and the diversity increases around the edges. But generally, um, permaculture started off uh, as a response to the damage, and, and Bill basically. You know, realise the protest wasn't working, and everything's going to roll over the top of you anyway. And there's so much energy in protest, and not a lot of result. And then um, it, it can all be manipulated. So he decided, he, 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 instead of defining what we don't want, which appears to be quite obvious, and we're well informed about what we, what we don't want. So he decided to define really what we do want, and that turned out as a design system called permaculture. Now that started in reasonably barren ground. So the first First thing everywhere, you know, across all the lands, landscape profiles and climate zones of the world, when you start off with a degraded situation, the first thing that comes in is some pretty hardy weeds, and that's sort of like the first teachers of permaculture. I, I'm probably 
pretty spiky weed myself, really. Um, <laughs> and and, and, we're, and we're, 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 you know, we're a pretty competitive group in some ways. We try and take up that damaged ground and, and, and try and pioneer the situation. But, the, you know, we, we, we as humans have an opportunity to change and, 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 and make judgment calls on when we, instead of remaining a spiky weed, where you have to continuously find damaged ground and disturbed and situations to get in there and repair, as we get more and more repair, then we end up with a new... A weed. The weeds initially are the canopy, by the way. They are the... They're in, they're in the they're the climax in the first stages because they're the only thing there. They are the canopy, but then another set of succession comes through and that becomes the canopy. And then the new canopy keeps going up in front of each other until you get to climax. I think we're away from climax yet, but if you're a spiky weed, you have an opportunity to become a sophisticated understory in the new emerging canopy. Now there's a there's an enormously talented new generation of permaculturists out there coming through. I'm, I'm, I have incredible admiration for the, for the new generation. They're amazingly cooperative. They're amazing in their communication skills. They're the Facebook generation. You know, they're the YouTube generation. They're, they're coming through. They're, some of my young students who are coming to me, let's say they're just under 20 years old, they can't remember life without a laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're screenagers. They're screenagers. And they're not teenagers. They're screeners. They're 60 hours a week in front of a flat screen. They're flat screen brats, right? They don't right. know like that. Now they're coming through and they're using that what they're familiar with to create this new canopy and on they go canopy after canopy now they're going to they're going to go under the canopy later too they've got to realise that you've got to pass that info on you live a lot longer as a sophisticated understory in their shade right so you can change you can be I used to be a lot more toey and aggressive confront, confrontational I'm, I'm and, you know a bit of a maverick out there pretty pig headed out there ramming in systems as quick and as fast as I can I've tried to become more sophisticated and, 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 and some, you know, longer living understory in the shade. Oh, I've just been handed some fresh yogurt from the dairy. Wow. Um, <laughs> keep you going. A little bit of enzyme coming in from the cows in the, on the paddock. So, um, but you, you, when you reflect back at society and you look, and I think, why aren't there more African-American permaculture teachers? Why aren't there more Latino teachers in America? Why aren't there more Greek teachers in Australia? No. How, how, one in seven people in the world are, are, are Muslim. How many Muslim teachers are, are, are out there? Um, you know, uh, you know, how many different layers are there that, we, we, that, are, that are still quite vacant? Take that opportunity, permis. Get in there and get to a layer. We have a wonderful lady in Australia called Cecilia McCauley um, who went out there and did balcony gardens and inner space permaculture of how you live in cooperative share houses. She's the only lady I know in that niche. She does wonderful work. Balcony gardens are, you know, are her thing. Um, and, and a lot of people don't understand Cecilia, but um, she teaches corporate permaculture in Japan. You know, she, she, she found a niche that was completely open and, and occupied it. And, and, and she's 
lives for free because people actually give her houses to care for because she does such a great job. I mean, there's all these wonderful opportunities still to, to, to grab. Think about the layers, make the people analogy. I like to talk about weeds as hard-working immigrants. Well, when you, when you, when you start talking about um, the different, like, where's, where's the African-American and, and where's the, um, the Hispanic uh, permaculturalists, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think that they're here. I think we have them. I mean, and, but part of it is, is like, I don't know whether, or like, like uh, when it comes to race anymore, I, I, I don't know. Like, I imagine that the people from 50 years ago were well-trained to keep a sharp eye out for different races so that they could be angry at them. And and now it's it seems like these days it's something that you don't even think about. But um, I've never met Larry Santoyo, but but I'm hey I'm, I'm Facebook buddies with him. <laughs> but, mm. And is he Hispanic? I I don't know. The name sounds like it could be, um, but he's a he's a big shaker and baker in the permaculture world. Um, and then and then um, when you talk about African American, I I don't know if Dave Jackie is African American, but I know that when I get stuff from him on Facebook, there's a black guy there. So is, is Dave Jackie an African American? Is he a black guy? No, I, I don't no, know. No, he's not. No, he's not. But Ramis, no. Kent, Ramis Kent is, and Ramis Kent, although he's born in New York, uh, lived most of his life in Oakland. Um, so um, there's a potential layer there. And we've got quite a lot of work going on in Detroit. And there's a few people in Detroit. True. Um, and there's nine schools teaching permaculture in Detroit. Uh, and there's a fab lab working out in Detroit with permaculture, an amazing technology. But, you know, um, there's rather a lot of African-Americans in, uh, and there's rather a lot of Latinos. And there's even areas where you probably need to speak, teach a Spanish course in America, yeah? Um, actually, in Spanish. Uh, you know, um, I, I, think, uh, I think you... If you know you maybe got Ramis Kent, he's actually living in England at the moment. He has an English wife and working with me in the Middle East. Um, but um, I don't think it's accepted that well in these other layers. I mean, we need to be user friendly to those larger layers. When I come to America to work, I'm always surprised when I go to a Chinese restaurant and see Latinos cooking in the kitchen, or I go to a you know Afghan restaurant and there's or an Arabic restaurant or an Indian restaurant, and there's always, you know, it's always Latinos teaching in the kitchen, uh, uh, cooking in the kitchen, probably teaching too. I mean, <laughs> right? whenever, whenever I go to a nursery, one of the first questions I ask, or it might be even a permaculture site, uh, permaculture nursery or bamboo nursery I visited recently, one of my first questions is, you know, how many Latinos do you have in the workforce? And, and they kind of look surprised that I realized they're actually all Latinos. Well, how come the people who are doing the work aren't interested in permaculture? Or maybe there seems to be, like, maybe there should be a niche open there where it's something that would be very valuable. Okay, I, I guess this you you're making a very good point. This is something that I've not considered. I, I of course I'm I'm currently out in Montana where um, 
you know, it's it's uh, uh, we've got a Native American population, so we call them Indians, even though they're none of them are mm-hmm. from India, uh, and and um, uh, and in fact, they they embrace the word Indian because they think it's making fun of white people for having been so stupid as to call call them Indians. Yeah. Uh, um, but then, uh, uh, so we've got a fair fair amount of that. But outside of that, uh, don't don't see too much of the other uh, races here in Montana. Although um, uh, my favorite restaurant in Missoula is a Greek restaurant, and those guys are all all Greek and and uh, definitely a Greek family, not a bunch of people from you know uh, white white people or Hispanic people doing that. Um, don't so when it when it comes to stuff based on race, uh, do you feel that um, we're being exclusive, like we're saying, no, you don't get to learn the permaculture stuff because of your race? No, I don't think that. I just think that it can look like a white privileged occupation if you're not careful, and you've got to open, like so, you've got to open that opportunity. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to, with intention, aim in that direction. You, you know, a, a lot of things don't happen in permaculture unless you have intention. True. Right. You, you, your food forests are incredibly diverse parties of international elements, and that's what gives them stability. They don't happen on their own. They function exactly like a forest. And nowhere is it more obvious in Australia, because Australia has produced no native foods for the world except macadamia. I mean, all the, all the original food plants of the world come from all the continents except Australia. And yet Australia has not had an ice age. So it's incredibly diverse in species. But we didn't ask the Aboriginal people anything about what they were, what they were eating and whether they were actually using any kind of cultural techniques to work with the, the, the local food plants. We just ignored that and brought in European species. So we imported the largest diversity of foreign species into Australia. So we, it's an oddball thing, uh, the history of Australia, um, and probably why permaculture started here. When I'm looking at the window of the food forest over the top of, uh, across a dam, and the whole thing is set for macadamia and a couple of native species like Davidson Plum, um, most of it, you know, 95% of it is, is, interna- in, is an, a mix of international species. Well, that was by intention because that's what makes the most interesting diet for us and we have that opportunity now more than ever before in history to have a totally inclusive polycultural food diversity system and that's one of the saving graces of permaculture well we need to look at it in people too we have this connected world by internet where we can have all the cultural interactions of global humanity. I mean, when we do design work today, if you're doing international design work, one of the kitschy things to do is a climate analog. You can do it you know, basically with Google Earth. Fly around the world and find places that are on the same latitude, north or south of the equator. The same altitude and the same distance from an ocean north or uh, east or west coast and you more or less get the same climate zone. I mean some some climate analogies you come up with are quite unusual. I was doing one for Colombia the other day and Colombia having the Andes so close to the coast it was hard and, and, and being close to the equator it was very hard to find a similar climate analog but then we found one in New Guinea now, who ever thought about putting a New Guinea native with a Colombian 
in relation to cultural uh, uh, climate and landscape similarities, but they're extremely similar. And I think they'd have a lot to share, actually. Um, they're very different cultures, but they've got a lot to share with each other. We all have, we all have a lot to share, and, and sometimes they're, they're very unusual layers. They're very unusual layers. They're, 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 there's you know all kinds of, of mixed races that have been in different places for hundreds of years with their culture, with their variation of culture, with their new culture. You know, you have all sorts of new variations of, of culture. They're all great advantages to permaculture. Wonderful. Thus, improving our diversity and expanding our cultural horizons, and then we all be we're all richer for it, and we yeah. can all move forward. We all have greater greater ability. We, we, we've got this wonderful shared greater ability. Are you ready for the questions from the Permies folk? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, here we go. Jesse Tack asks, what are essential tools in the field for a practicing permie? Mm. Now, would you mean a designer? Um, well, permaculture enthusiast, I, I imagine. You know, so at permies.com, when you first get it, it says, uh, goofballs that are nuts about permaculture. So, I don't know, permaculture enthusiast. Um, I imagine that by tools... I'm I'm thinking probably physical tools. Okay. Well, I know we've had some conversation on permies.com lately about the comma, which is <laughs> kind of a sickle. Oh uh, yeah. Let me let me start at the other end first. If you're coming into a new site and you want to like you're looking at purchasing a site, right? And you think, well, I wonder what the contours are. I want a quick look, a farmer's level, an eye level, wonderful little tool. Um, and you can you can buy them from surveying supplies. If you want to have a look, we sell them on our website. Um, but they're they're wonderful. The reason we sell them is they they're a great quick look at the landscape. Um, I wouldn't use them to survey, but a wonderful uh, little design tool. Um, Sometimes you can go in and, and get an idea of what the contour lines might be on a piece of property. That's yeah, getting you, an idea of where's the high spot, the low spot, you know. And what lines up with what on the, on that level? You can see from one point to another across a valley very quickly. It's a quick sight level. It's got a little bubble and a line in it. And everything, everything that you're looking at when the bubble's on the line is level with your eye. So a great quick look tool. Obviously, a surveyor's compass is a, is a great tool when you can take a couple of uh, reference points a um, uh, pH tester um, uh, a little quick pH tester I use a, um, a, a, a little kit from inocular laboratories we also sell those online so you can take a quick pH test um, it's just barium sulfate and a, and a, in, a white powder and an indi uh, alkaline indicator fluid and very quickly you can do it's like a litmus test it's just a very simple thing you get a color chart from it uh, to, to, to just see roughly where the pHs. I also use a refractometer. A refractometer is, is valuable to see the amount of starch in plants and to see whether your organic fertilizer or your compost is, is increasing the starch in plants and increasing their activity. It's, uh, it's very simple, no moving parts. It's just the uh, refraction of light. It's called a BRICS test in America. And we're also using them for the nutrient density of plants. 
how you get in nutrient dense um, results in your crops. Um, okay, getting out on the ground. Um, yeah, I love the karma, um, especially in uh, uh, subtropics to tropics, um, and when you've got evolving perennial systems like food forests to work around the density of plantings. A, a karma or a rice knife, which is like the modern version of those. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're wonderful tools. As, as you get a little bit more to the open forests of the temperate climate, where things are a little bit more spaced, and you have a lot more herbaceous growth, you have a lot more non-woody, fast-growing herbs in your long, light summer, of course, you go more towards the scythe itself. Um, but um, to get the dense systems of the, uh, say, let's say from the Mediterranean through the subtropics to the tropics, the evolving systems um, are more um, managed with a with a, a, a karma and a rice knife, and your chop and drop can be managed. Um, your mulching systems end up in a more woody situation, and the machete is a great tool. Uh, love my machete. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Uh, the next the, Jesse Tack uh, has two more questions. The next one is is uh, what are the three or four most essential practical skills for a practicing permi? Three or four. <laughs> well, I, yeah. you know, maybe one. It's up to you. You don't have to answer the whole thing if you don't want. No, you no. Pass on any question if you want. <laughs> No, they're too interesting. I love it. Um, Okay. Um, I'd say the first return of surplus is um, to be able to create um, surplus organic matter. So to be able to design systems that um, have fast carbon pathways of convenience. Um, So uh, plants that grow convenient organic matter. So to be able to cover crop well, to be able to grow pioneer uh, trees that supply uh, surplus mulch that can be cut and recut and recut, to to be able to design in that that surplus organic matter is a great skill. Of course, um, that leads to mulching and 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 that sort of um, um, carbon cover that we encourage. So whether that's uh, having the skill of, of of planting dense cover crops and emerging your systems out of those cover crops, or creating uh, carbon in surplus, you go a lot further if you can if you can work out how to get the first return back to the system as surplus organic matter. Composting. Composting is a uh, almost an art form. You, it, you you become a compost master. Of course, you can master anything in about ten thousand hours. That's five years if you're going to work forty hours a week at it. At the end of that, if you if you do forty hours a week for five years on composting, you master it. But you master anything, like playing the piano, if you do that many hours. Um, but you need to put your time into composting. It's not really obvious, and um, if people can help you with uh, some microscope uh, observations so you see whether you're getting the inoculum compost right. What you're after is beneficial soil organisms created in your compost. Don't take it too far and process it far enough so you have that great diversity of organisms. Of course, the result will happen on the ground. Start 
you know, start simple. Um, creating beneficial edges as a designer remember the problem is the solution and in these dynamic systems the solution can be the problem making sure that your edge system design is something that is of benefit to you and doesn't cause you more um, more fertility than you can put to use any system that's oversupplied with energy that can't be to put to productive use goes into chaos, principle of chaos. So um, that, that happens with edge as well. So a lot of people think, oh, permaculture is all about spirals and curvy patterns and it's got to be circles and it's got to have this sort of cosmic sort of patterning look. Hey, le legitimize and rationalize all those patterns because the more patterning you put in, the more of those fancy patterns for the sake of pattern, the more edge you've got to control, make sure that edges are of benefit to you. Dogged persistence. You've got to have <laughs> dogged persistence. It, it's a great skill. Just keep going. Of course the natural system works. Of course the examples out there in the ecosystem. You've just got to keep working your way through it and let you, let, you know, have that ability to step back and observe the evolutions of your system and, and then dynamically adjust. Those are all sort of skills I think you need. Um, and, and last of all, um, I think uh, a very important one, have fun. If you're not having fun, you've got the design wrong. It's not supposed to be a hardship. It's supposed to be good fun. I mean, you, you seem to laugh a lot, Paul. We, we, we should laugh a lot. Great therapy. Don't, don't get too damn serious about it. It's supposed to be fun. If it's not fun, you've got the design wrong. So, so, so crankiness is not part of the permaculture package. I think you just said that. <laughs> no, yeah, it shouldn't be, and, and it's not very good for your immunity system, and and it's definitely a, a limit on your longevity. Okay. So, uh, and then the last question from Jesse is advice on getting quality experience in these fields. Well, today there's a lot of things online in this YouTube world. Find, um, find people that are creating good, active people. Good teachers, the only gauge of a teacher or a mentor is that they create other other people who are very very active and doing good work so um, work with people who are creating um, are, are extending good work through other people um, so um, find other people that, 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 that are getting a, a good result and extending that result through other people and, and, and work with them okay um, this uh, uh, next uh, question comes from somebody else. Uh, um, let's see. He recommends precipitation over evaporation timing for tropical and subtropical chop and drop. Advice for temperate climates. No different. Okay. That was because easy. 
and that was your and, briefest answer so far. <laughs> you, you still have a period of, of, of time at the end of summer where there, and it's brief in cooler climates when evaporation is higher than rainfall. When that period finishes and you go back to rainfall over evaporation, that's when you do your woody chop and drop. In those temperate, cooler climates, you you have a herbal flush that you can keep mulching down. That's your herbal lay layer. Um, but when I say that chop and drop, chop and drop, by its very descriptive term, means woody material. And your wood breaks down over winter with that long, damp, mold and, and fungal relationship and by the time you get to uh, spring uh, those uh, woody that, that, those, those woody trees which are in a pollarded cut usually at head height um, they've been letting the winter light through uh, and your system's more open and then um, come the spring uh, the chopped material is already reasonably well broken down and starting to feed the soil and then the spring flush those those cut woody uh, legumes and chop and drop species are starting to reflush and they grow a nice op a nice canopy um, shelter in midsummer uh, sun and right at the end of midsummer when the evaporation is higher than rainfall for that brief period they're the wonderful shade canopy that takes the stress off your system and at the end of that you chop them and keep the cycle going all right next question is from chris uh, and uh, the question is, as a development worker, I'd be interested in knowing at what levels did Jeff encounter, if at all, resistance to permaculture ideas, and how did he overcome it? I, was re I always wanted more resistance. I was very disappointed I didn't get as much as I wanted. <laughs> well, you can have some of ours. <laughs> I wanted that challenge. I put out for that challenge. I, 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 I baited that challenge. Um, uh, I suppose I... I um, um, I, I search for the answers and I continuously uh, enjoy finding, you know, uh, answers to how I, I would answer questions. It's kind of a, 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 an occupation, I suppose, getting ready for, for answering the awkward questions. And, um, you know, there, there was always um, some of the ones that came up, uh, population, um, some of the um, economy, um, and um, uh, the only time that I can uh, remember that I got into a bit of trouble was in Western Brazil working with Ali Sharif on a, on a, on a government course there and I, I went a bit heavy on evidence of why we need to act and the agricultural damage in a, in a large agricultural area where there was a lot of colonisation and I got uh, uh, most of the students offside um, and um, I felt like I was in a big hole and I couldn't climb out of that hole but after a uh, halfway through the PDC I was getting out of the hole and by the time I got to the end of the PDC I was I think we got a 96% positive response to the questionnaire at the end of the course um, so we, we, we got out 
Um, and it was from just giving, you know, okay, let's give real common sense answers. Let, let, let's keep it really down to, you know, basic common sense. I mean, the, 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 the thing with permaculture is the more restrictions that are put on you as a designer, the better your design because you just stick to the basic system, which is real common sense, and the evidence is so obvious that it's needed. And that's so available today. I mean, more than ever, we have the evidence. <laughs> the evidence is everywhere. So if you have ethics, if you first question is, is the person asking you the question, it's got ethics? Do they agree with the ethics of permaculture that we, you know, we abide by? If so, I think the evidence is pretty obvious, and our intention is very genuine. Okay, next, <clears throat> this next question comes from Joe Patelli. Um, what are your experiences with Hugel culture? Uh, very little. Um, only when I visited areas um, where it's cool enough um, for that type of, um, of culture. Um, there, there are very few places in Australia that are that cool, even Tasmania, um, a lot of Tasmania has uh, a Mediterranean climate. Um, and you would have to go up into uh, some of our mountain ranges to get to that cool, and our mountains aren't that high either. Um, so I haven't got a lot of experience with Hugel culture, um, but um, I would say that uh, a, a lot of it would, would you know, um, you would be, uh, it would be a system that would work better in the, in the temperate to cool to cold temperate zones. Right. I, I, I agree with that. I think Google culture doesn't last very long in your warmer areas. And, um, but, it, I, you know, and then when I hear people talk about biochar, I kind of think, okay, you know, the, the Terra Preta stuff and whatnot, that, that all is going to be dominantly in a very hot climates, very warm climates. Um, and I don't think that they are a real good match for our cold climates. No, but, you, I, I mean, really, you have the most fertile soils, the largest diversity of soil uh, microorganisms are in the cold climates. Um, the tropics um, are, is where the terra preta works very well because it leaches so easily. Uh, when you take those multiple layered canopies of the forest down, you don't have those cycles, very rapid cycles of organic matter. So the enormous surface area of well-made terra preta, the, the, the charcoal surface area is absolutely massive. So it gives that great attachment habitat for those beneficial organisms if you want to lean towards an annual crop system. Uh, but you, you, I mean, you do find records of, of the use of charcoal in mound gardens in, in Finland in, in ancient traditional systems. So um, it, uh, charcoal has a charcoal type elements have been included in a lot of places but uh, where it's crucial are those those tropical very very shallow tropical soils and and yeah I think you're right Hugel culture is almost the reverse of that um, and uh, you know um, it's a, it, it creates a leaf mold mound now 
Ali Sharif and I worked in the uh, in the Amazon equatorial zone, putting huge logs and, and 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 large woody material into banana circles and rotting those down into um, great big woody material, rotting down into into damp banana circles, and and that worked. That worked fine. Um, but that's a big pit garden with bananas or papayas and um, palms um, you know two two and a half meters across one one and a half meters deep and 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 up to like you know one and a half meters high but you know the more tropical you get you can break those large woody materials down but they really go quick but if you're talking about sticks and small branches in a cold climate you're creating like a leaf mold mulch garden that's great you know they're all coat hangers in the wardrobe that permaculture designs all right uh, next question thoughts on Sepp Holzer great man wonderful man um, love him um, <laughs> Joe Palace. I worked with Joe Palace, who wrote the uh, prelude to all his books unfortunately we lost Joe a couple of years ago and um, I was very privileged to teach uh, his memorial course as he was knew that he was going to pass he asked if I could teach his memorial course and I was in Cuba for the first week I couldn't make it so Robin Francis graciously she was visiting me because she lives nearby institute only a few kilometers from here and Robin agreed that Robin Francis taught the first week of that memorial course and I taught the second a very sad thing Joe Palace another Austrian um, pioneered a lot of permaculture in, 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 in New Zealand another wonderful man tough people those Austrians like living on really steep hills get out there you know they're they're, they're strong they're, they're somewhat uh, you know angry <laughs> but they they, <laughs> I know, they strut their stuff they walk their talk and they they do a really tidy job beautiful quality of work uh yeah well every any any amount of time for those people wonderful i mean you know walk your talk let's talk let, let, you know let's you know i i hate all this just talk and keyboard warrior stuff i mean i like i like those grand workers i like those people you know you've got it on the ground okay well you know i i you know i'm i, I like that <clears throat> all right i'm uh the last question from uh, joe patelli is uh plan on writing any books and doing any more dvds <laughs> <laughs> I, um, <laughs> Bill tells me that people Bill Mollison tells me that um, some people trot out books all the time like him <laughs> um, and, um, and other people write one classic book and die um, but that sounds like it might be me, and I'm not writing it yet, okay? <laughs> yeah, you have to not write it, otherwise you'll die. <laughs> I'll have to take 30 years, I think. <laughs> I, okay, I, all I right. Think of, I think about writing books all the time. People want me to write a book often on uh, support species and legume species, because that's been my gig a lot. Um, I, I'm a mechanical engineer originally by trade, and, and I like the mechanics of ecosystems. I put a lot of thought into that more than fruit trees a lot of writing on fruit trees you get a lot of information on them anyway but the mechanics of it all interested me how do I rev this thing up how do I supercharge this engine and get this damn thing growing faster um, 
Uh, DVDs? Yeah, mate. Yeah, I can see another hundred titles. <laughs> Do you, okay, so I know that you just came out with, and we talked about the last podcast, you just came out with the Urban Permaculture DVD. Mm. Um, do you have another one or two in the hopper, like one that's going to come out in six months or something? Um, I could have. We make them in a few days. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd like to know what, uh, what, what, would you, what would you guys out there, what would you like me to do? If you, wow. think it, if you think you'd like me to do one, tell me. Let, let's get a vote on that thing. Oh wow, that's uh, yeah. I don't have a good que- I don't have a good answer for that. Um, uh, man, don't, don't tell me that I've I've, I've actually stumped you. You've corked my pie hole <laughs> uh, <laughs> with a question. <laughs> I you know I'm dry, I'm sitting here. My mind is is reeling. Um, I I think I'd like to see if if you're going to make another one. I'd like to see a tour of your projects. I mean, I I think that uh, evidence of it working. I mean, that was the thing that I really enjoyed out of the Food Forest DVD. Is like proof. Here's proof that it's awesome. Here's look at it. Just look at it. Yeah. So I kind of like <laughs> you're involved in so many projects all over the world. I would love to see uh, a DVD that's like uh, uh, covering um, so many different things that are working and why they're working and how they're they're making a difference. I'd like to do everybody's project. I mean, not just mine. I mean, there. And when you look at the Worldwide Permaculture Network, um, permacultureglobal.com, which is the new uh, website we've given to the world, you know that one? Yeah, I'm registered on it. Isn't that yeah. the one where everybody goes and they put their name on it, and then it, it says, are you a... Uh, have you taken a PDC and then you say yeah and yep. they say you're instructor and you put that in there and then what's your thing what's your story you know yeah you, you put your on. link on Google Earth and, and it's a Google Earth Google Earth Google Maps Twitter Facebook database type of software we created it for the world it's a lot of work uh, we want to make a permaculture booking form for PDCs and courses and give it to the world to help a lot of people software type stuff you know we're we're right. trying to help the world with that, but yeah. Um, but uh, I'd like to. You look at some of those projects; they're amazing. I, I like some. I've never even heard of them, but there's people out there doing the most incredibly good work, and they're right across the planet. Um, yeah, I think we could do a, a great DVD on that, and it would make a great television series. It would make a. a, a it would be an, an infinite series. You could do them. You could do it for the next thirty years, and just do True. one project a week, and have it as a television program. Someone out there listening to this you should you should get this done if you want me to present it if you think I'm good enough as a presenter fine but I'd, whoever doesn't really matter you know when we have you on the forums next week maybe that's the thing to do is, is that instead of you just answering everybody's questions uh, maybe you should start a thread and say okay what should my next DVD be and let's see what comes of it. I, another good one would be to uh, arrive at some fresh bit of boring land that's got nothing on it at all. And then it's like, okay, now now let's Jeffify this land. Let's let's make it. Of course, wait. Uh, of course, there's the whole project that you did in Jordan 
which was awesome. And I know it's not one of the questions here, but I, I should ask you uh, a couple of details about, because greening the desert, I mean, that was the first time I ever, I ever learned about your works, is seeing the greening the desert stuff on YouTube. And, and uh, I, I was just presenting a few days ago about how to replace irrigation with permaculture. And then that's, you know, part of it is what I bring in is, here's what Jeff Lawton did in Jordan. Um, uh, now, I, my understanding of the story is, is that you went in there, and it's desert. It's like rocks and sand. And then you did some permaculture for a few weeks, and then you went away. They probably irrigated it for a year or two. And then those people went away also. And then you came back like seven years later, and it's a jungle, an oasis in the middle of the desert. Is that is my recollection accurate? A little bit dramatic, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. We we uh, we drip irrigated um, uh, on the trees again. Started and and the first year they switched it off for a month. The second year they switched it off for three months, and the third year they switched it off for six months. And then the um, and the uh, support species were switched off permanently at that stage, only the fruit trees. But then on that initial project, the funding ran out then, and um, working with large NGOs. Um, they didn't revisit that situation, so it continued on its own for a while. But it didn't. It, it, it hasn't continued now, which is some um, eight years later. Uh, it doesn't look that great now because it just hasn't had that ongoing tickle of a maintenance. So our new project continues, which is now you'll see that on our website. It's uh, um, some. Um, uh, what is it now? It's uh, about three years old, and we're getting dramatic results on that. And luckily, we were funded to buy that land, so that'll go on indefinitely. It's even a harder site than the original site. Um, but... Um, yeah, I mean, we we could do that. We could uh, we could go from from uh, those different projects of design. I should add that um, obviously it's the time lapse. I mean, I could go back through the food forest and the food forest DVD, which are enormously larger than we were than when when we filmed the food forest DVD, and we thought about refilming it second take. You know, here it is a bit later. But to talk about design in the urban DVD. I, there's a garden in the main uh, part of the film where I design it with students as an internship program and you see me designing the, the actually drawing the design on paper on film and there's an extra there's an extra segment to the DVD uh, where I do another garden and you see the whole thing designed in front of you on paper. You see my whole thoughts and my illustration uh, going up and all the sections of the garden that we're talking about. So it's a fast track through urban permaculture design. And um, we could extend that out into um, large garden, small acreage, large acreage, whole bioregion. We could design a continent or something like that, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Size wouldn't matter. Size doesn't matter in permaculture. So, uh, uh, once again, I'm, I'm going to ignore the people who've asked questions. I want to insert another question of my own as long as, you know, well, because I'm just greedy and selfish that way, I guess. But uh, Willie Smith, are you familiar with his work? No. 
No, no. No? Right? Sorry. The guy in Borneo? The guy, so that's like this, the, I mean, when I gave my presentation the other day, I mean, I always say, here's Jeff Lawton's stuff, and here's Willie Smith's stuff. And and so Willie Smith is this guy, uh, he uh, went to Borneo, and apparently like a hundred years ago, they cut down all the trees, because uh, I don't know why, I, but they did. Wow. And they went. They, they they went to they went from having um, this this area where everybody had um, income and everybody had fresh water and everybody had awesomeness to where there is no fresh water. That's like the you know the most precious thing in the area is is fresh clean water, um, and uh, uh, the area is just miserable. It's just been a, a near desert kind of thing for a hundred years. And Willie Smith goes in there and he starts planting all kinds of trees. And after three years, they and and they're recording everything. They're just massively recording every little detail. I think it's like twenty thousand acres. Um, but now, after three years, they've recorded a twenty-five percent increase in rainfall. Um, and so they're you know they're making a, a, an enormous difference. His work is just amazing. So I I am just excited. I am. I hear, everybody's a witness. You're seeing it happen. I am introducing Willie Smith's work to Jeff Lawton. Damn, I'm good. I, is, I should get paid more. Is this, <laughs> is this the guy with the? Is, is it in the area where there's the orangutans? Yes. Damn. Oh, yeah. I didn't introduce him to you. <laughs> you already knew. I've heard of his work. I didn't know the name, so you did introduce him to me, uh, name-wise. But I've heard of that work. Yeah, it's come up uh, here and there. Um, yeah, great stuff. I mean, we can reference all this, all these things. Uh, there's another guy out there in Brazil doing these, uh, you know, polycultural forest systems. Uh, of course, forest work. And of course, we can design them to our, you know, to our benefit. Um, there, there's that. The natural systems aren't prejudiced. Uh, you know, the world, you know, the 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 animals and the plants and the, and, and the trees. They don't have the, the prejudices and the assumptions that humanity has. Um, nature's not sentimental about nature. Um, that's a that's a human trait. That's something we we've, we've created. You know, you you put together um, productive polycultures and and the. Um, the, the, the local ecology moves in and loves it. I mean, it, it brings in all those other, you know, uh, extra elements. Those inoculums to the soil and and and, and extends the, the the system. I, you know, I, I, these these things are. I mean, they're becoming more and more obvious all the time that we can create this in the most unusual ways. And 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 those those are the environments we love to live in. That they, they should be the, the the trademark of our cities. Those will be the carbon positive cities of the future. This carbon neutrality, I think that's lame. That's a lame thing. And what's wrong with carbon positive? Why can't the cities be actually productive elements that actually benefit humanity? Until humanity is a beneficial element on this planet, we'll still be in adolescence. We've got to grow up. Get over it. So, um, and speaking of that, <clears throat> then, of course, along the lines of uh, global warming and, uh, uh, you know, the, the whole carbon thing and stuff, are you familiar with the works of Alan Savory? Of course, yeah. Alan's yeah. Uh, and a very um, exceptional man. 
Yes. So that would be, so I, I believe I just heard you say, yes, thumbs up to Alan Savory from Jeff Lawton. Did I get yeah, that right? I, I, I met Alan once. I heckled him a little bit too much probably, but um, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I use um, a rather unusual variation of his work here with um, the beef cows and the um, dairy cows and the horse horses on this property. And we sell greys um, around an electrified, along an electrified laneway using the Alan Savory rangeland management type thinking on a polycultural permaculture institute. And I had to develop a, uh, a solar powered electric fence laneway with 48 different electric gate positions so we can we can continuously move um, the uh, grazing animals um, in very fast um, throughout the system and in fact I was just moving horses um, uh, before we were talking so yeah no great stuff um, oh, and, and, and proven well and truly proven Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a we have a thread out at Permies about uh, how he won an award, and and when he's accepting the award, he kind of shows videos of here here's elephants, uh, you know, a lot of side by side stuff, you know, um, with the elephants, without the elephants, um, with the cattle, without the cattle, you know, and and making a, just a brilliant point. But all right, so another I mean, another another coat hanger in the wardrobe, <laughs> a, gr- a great coat hanger. By the way, it hangs up one of our best coats, one of our best suits, if you like. Alan Savory's uh, holistic rangeland management, a coat hanger in the wardrobe of permaculture. We don't design coat hangers. We design wardrobes that hang them all up. Right. To hang oh, up yes. the knowledge of humanity because we cover waste systems, we cover energy systems, we cover, you know, community systems, we cover architecture, we we cover this broad range. We we more design the the wardrobe than the than the coat hanger itself. I I, uh, I agree, and and so as we learn more and more about each of these coat hangers, then um, uh, eventually somebody starts to glue them all together and call it permaculture. Yeah, we um, end up very know. well dressed. <laughs> For any occasion, <laughs> we look snappy. Yeah. We've even got a drawer for our underwear and our socks and and and, and you know lingerie and uh, hats and coats and calves and scarves and all those things to take care of. And there's even a mirror on the inside or the outside of the wardrobe door, so we can check that we all match when we're dressed up. I had no idea that you wore lingerie. Uh, that's that's good to know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're I might, not wear it, I might get involved with it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next question comes from Jackie Greenleaf. Uh, thoughts on timing of chop and drop in a non-tropical climate, especially on how or if the technique should change in a climate where precipitation does not occur in the growing season. Wow, that's a huge question. <laughs> Precipitation does not not occur in the growing season. In other words, more temperate, so you've got a, a hot, dry summer and a wet winter. Right. Yeah. 
so same again when when it's the same world over when when the evaporation over rainfall time finishes and the rainfall over evaporation or precipitation over evaporation starts um, Mediterranean areas are where people get a little bit confused on this possibly as they do with swales uh, because they think that the water in swales only works at that moment it works for many months or years after um, yeah um, no different okay next question uh, is from somebody whose name is a pseudonym I don't even know what it means um, uh, the greening the desert series is utterly fascinating do you have more technical details of your experiments I don't know if I'd call them experiments, of your experiments, and do you recommend any other study aside from taking a PDC? Mm. Well, the PDC is a transformative event uh, which changes the way you think and, and see the world with design eyes, um, and hopefully it's terminal in, in its infection. Um, but, um, yes, we've obviously we've... we've continued to evolve our study um, and um, we have now projects in Saudi Arabia um, and Yemen where we're down to 70 millimeters of rain so what's that less than three inches um, so we've gone into drier and drier areas and um, um, you have to increase the, the, the shade uh, you have to put your water harvesting systems that grow the pioneer trees closer together you need more shelter um, you need more shade you need more wind sheltering um, you need more potential condensation from those super hardy desert trees uh, you need more moderation of grazing animals um, if you're really interested in those you know, super hardy desert techniques, there's more and more course, courses being taught in those locations. I think they'll be coming up more and more. I'm about to teach a course in Yemen over Christmas uh, period, end of December, in next month. Um, and, and, we're, and we are, we're coming up with all kinds of little increments of uh, design. Um, so um, I think specialist locations and then internships will be offered in, in, in these locations as well. And hopefully specialist courses even as, um, will, be, will, will kind of evolve. All right, next question comes from Kelly Ware. <clears throat> oh, by the way, I, I, sorry, just to add, I forgot. I'm trying to remember as I'm talking. We were just talking to Griffin Hope, who's a wonderful New Zealander who runs PRI Chile, and we were teaching online on Skype, which we do. He had a PDC in San Pedro in the Atacama's Desert in, 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 in Chile, and we are here this week in Australia and we had our students and his students looking at each other on, on Skype video and in that location they get 7 millimetres of rain so that's so, the driest place on earth and we're talking about you know less than what's that that's less than a quarter, like a quarter of, an of an inch yeah and we can that's, do it there too and that would be a great place to do it because when you do that sort of thing wow you have a comparison I mean it really <laughs> yeah. talk about green in the desert this is green in the ultimate desert and right. that's that's an opportunity that's a great opportunity take and, lots of uh, pictures yeah oh yeah that would be hey. you know even even more important. I mean, how how many acres are you working with out there? In in Chile, 
Yeah, so, and this spot that gets a quarter of an inch of rain a year. Well, I think uh, he's I think he's teaching the initial PDC, so the seed is being planted as we speak. I mean, that will hopefully germinate into a project reality, and and that'll be YouTube famous hopefully sooner or later. But you know, just for your viewers to realize, you know, we're out there on the edge. I mean, you talk about edges. That's that's out there. I mean, that's on the edge. Right. I mean, if you can get it to work there, that's that's uber proof. Although I think that the the work and that you've done in Jordan already is like proof enough for most folks. Because when people when I go out to a desert area and they say, okay, we're in a desert, you can't get anything to grow here, we get only 18 inches of rain a year, huh. and it's like. Okay, well, here, let me show you where they get, because I think that the spot in Jordan, that's probably like three inches of rain a year. Six. Average is, it, is it six? Okay. 150 millimeters, and most of it comes in four hours. <laughs> four so, hours that, for the whole year. A, a desert is always a flood waiting to happen, Okay. and it's never the amount of water you have, it's the amount of times you use it that's relevant. Right. Uh, it's the amount of time you, 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 you slow it down, slow it and soak it and sink it, and and, and keep it longer on the site so it can be used many, many times. The longest path over the most distance, over the most time, moving as slowly as possible with the most passive friction, rubbing up against as many living elements as possible along the way is the most fertile principle of water in permaculture. My principle, anyway. <laughs> I, I know that in the work that I do, <clears throat> I hear from a lot of people that are, that are you know, saying, we get only 18 inches of rain a year, therefore, none of that stuff will work for us. And they're, they've, they've already decided to not listen to any of it. Well, and, then it and then by using you as an example, and Sepp Holter's done some work in Spain and in Portugal where they get three inches of rain a year, then um, I, I can turn around and say, okay, look at these guys. Look at what they did. And well, they get it, even less rain. It's really obvious that you're talking about half a meter of rain, okay? Let's call it half a meter of rain. I've got to okay. stay in the metric to make it easy here. <laughs> 18 inches is half a meter of rain. So every two square meters, you get 1,000 liters of water falling on it. Every two square meters is about the size of your office desk. You get 1,000, a cubic meter of water falling on it. True. So, you know, when you take that to an acre, right? That's a lot that's, of water. That's 2,000 cubic meters of water. That's 2 million liters. That's 2 megaliters. That's quite a large dam falling on an acre. Hey, what are you doing with it? Is it running off? Where's it going? Is it so, you know, what, what, why don't you soak it, you know, slow it, soak it, sink it, and grow it? And shade the damn thing. You know, like, think about it, guys. So I, I hey, I, uh, I, I'm sold. I'm already in. <laughs> the choir here. <clears throat> but I, I, I'm, I'm saying that, you know, a lot of the work that I'm doing is, is to try and make headway in with the people that are convinced that it's, that it's not true. I, you know, I, do you, uh, another aspect, I'm going to, you know, and I got other questions from the people here, but just real quickly. I, I seem to struggle a lot when I go to talk to farmers and stuff and I utter the word permaculture, they immediately tune me out because they think I'm talking about a bunch of stoned hippies. And, uh, and so then they, they dismiss the science. They dismiss the, the proof, the evidence, and whatever else. I don't know if you do you have any experience with that? Less and less. Uh, less and less over time. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, and we've, worked, we've worked very hard to uh, change that, that, that view. 
Okay. And, and I think you can, like we said before, by working on the layers that are less less occupied, I think we'll 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 take that from the top and the bottom at the same time. Um, yeah. So we have regenerative agriculture. We have the wonderful work of Alan Savory. Uh, we have the PA Yeomans, you know, um, keyline system. We have people like Darren Doherty. Um, you have Joel Salatin. They're working together. Darren Doherty's working on the regenerative agriculture side of permaculture. There's people concentrating on the agricultural approach from permaculture. And, and you know, we're at the door. We're coming through the door. I mean, they're... they're you know, the farmers here, um, you know, they're, they're, they're changing. It, it's changing. Large farmers, I mean, they're seeing the riding on the soil. The soil is the obvious side to it. You know, right. you, you're losing soil fertility rap- rapidly, and they know, and, and they're realizing. And, we, you know, we've got some reasonably long-term work on the ground now, six or seven years of constant soil creation. You know, um, graziers becoming foresters. Um, had obvious, uh, you know, results. Um, grazing and, and forestry becoming, you know, obvious complements to each other. Uh, uh, all sorts of things are happening. I, I think this is, uh, it, it, we're coming to the end game on that reaction. I, I agree. I, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I, I'm seeing a lot of growth. I think sometime later this year, I'll have uttered the word permaculture to 10 million people. And, and uh, each year seems to be about five times more than the year before. Um, and so I'm, I'm seeing huge, huge growth with, with all of my permaculture gobbledygook. Um, it's, and, and, yeah, I just kind of have this sense that you're right, that we're going to about to hit the mainstream. We get, we get some mainstream mention once in a while, but I, I think it's about to really take off. I, I think the mainstream's just caught up with us. They've, they've seen us on the horizon for a while, like a lush island, and they've been, they've been circling us for quite a while. And now it's pretty obvious. Uh, even though they don't want, they're not sure how to land. They're going to get washed ashore in a big storm. And, and right. we are the mainstream, and they've caught up with us, and they just have to admit it. I'm sorry, guys, but that's how it is. We're the only game in town. We're the only one that covers all the bases. We design the wardrobe. <laughs> Right? This is our fashion, man. That's it. <laughs> Overalls for everybody. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kelly Ware asks the question, how are the international permaculture schools going? Um, they, they've been going slowly, but they're increasing. Uh, you wouldn't expect them to go any, any uh, you wouldn't expect it to suddenly exp- uh, explode across the world, but they are exponentially increasing. So we've got more inquiry all the time. And we've set the foundation work up of how we register our teachers and register our sites. Um, and um, we're expecting, um, well, we can see quite a, 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 a swell of interest, and um, we're getting ready for the title. Oh, great, great. Uh, Her next question is, how did the International Permaculture Convergence and Conference in Jordan go? Uh, It was just wonderful. It was just such a a gorgeous event. Um, The conference was uh, set in in the way the Jordanians wanted it, to represent permaculture in an extremely professional setting, Um, five-star. And the endorsement from the princess was 
jaw-dropping. You can see it on our, our website. I was stunned, and, and I was sitting on a table with Bill Mollison, and I could see his mouth open. We got a royal endorsement that was just incredible, and we didn't know it was coming. And then we had a set-in at the Convergence of such casual, gorgeous desert on the sand, Bedouin tent, um, everybody open and together. There was no hidden corners. There was no little groups that could sit off to one side and create their little clicks. Everybody had this wonderful, open, transparent, uh, down-on-the-sand type experience. Um, and uh, I think some great things happened, wonderful things happened with cooperative, um, um, powerful cooperative um, situations, especially in the uh, the new generation, the new generation of uh, cooperative uh, permaculture canopy that's coming through. It was obvious that we have uh, a whole new situation happening and a uh, very cooperative one. Okay. <clears throat> the next question is actually a uh, a question gob. It's it's a bunch of questions. I, I I'm not sure how to quite convey it. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna just read the whole gob, and then uh, you do what you want from there. <laughs> so uh, uh, this is from Kerry Rogers. Um, what are his views about the receptivity and challenges faced by permaculture practitioners in different countries from the big ag slash government establishment? Are some concepts being adopted into the mainstream in Australia, for example? Are the government regs we have here in the U.S. the main thing slowing down the growth of alternative agriculture? Do other countries have helpful models that could work in the U.S.? Can alternative agriculture even work in the U.S. political environment. What does he see as the way forward for permaculture, small ag versus big ag in the U.S.? There's the whole thing. I, I don't even know where to start on that, but, you know, maybe you do. People like Martin Stapper, um, who's also uh, was at the conference in Jordan, and we have his presentations on our website. Um, they, they endorse permaculture, and he was a scientist for our scientific department in Australia called the CSIRO, and he left the CSIRO because they wouldn't endorse his work with biological agriculture. Um, there's all kinds of uh, large farming operations that are now scaling themselves down to appropriate patterning and diversity. There's all kinds of examples happening. Uh, food security issues have actually changed a lot of opinions. Permaculture consultants uh, that have some reputation of working at uh, large, uh, uh, in, in a large way, have, have been approached by governments around the world especially uh, throughout the Middle East. Um, there's all kinds of action happening. It's not one thing in one direction. There's a plethora of, 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 of inquiry coming at all different levels. So it, it's hard to say, yes, there's one thing here or one thing there. There's a whole mix of things happening at the same time. The inquiry is coming towards us continuously. Um, 
I think farming will scale down. I think we will be coming into smaller scales and uh, appropriate sizes. Um, that's that's becoming obvious. Um, you can see that even in farming implements, we, we you know we we went bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper in in the way we address the soil, larger and larger equipment. We're now coming down to more and more refined and shallower and shallower um, and more and more biological. The term biological agriculture is now very common here in in in, in Australia. Uh, so um, I think there are lessons to be learned across the agricultural um, departments of the world and uh, people like uh, Christine Jones is a, a scientist in Australia who still works with the CSIRO has created a carbon measuring tool in the soil and um, her work is, is always worth quoting and um, Martin Strapper who's actually um, left the CSIRO and is teaching biological agriculture independently um, they, they've endorsed the system um, they've given us great endorsements so, what is <clears throat> what is biological agriculture is that like organic agriculture it's a new terminology where you 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 gauge the the, the biology of the uh, uh, the operation especially the biology of the soil so rather than just purely organic for organic sake say soluble organics or just pouring manure and mulch on let's say or even compost in an enzymatic type of breakdown compost where you're just like breaking down organic matter which is the commercial approach to dealing with our waste it's more creating that that beneficial biology especially that that enormous biology that's in the soil so it concentrates towards the the soil ecosystem as the the essential initial biology it's just terminologies but uh, we're realizing that you know organic's not good enough we've got you know I've, I've been to some of the most destructive organic operations in recent years uh, it's become trendy to be organic it doesn't mean you're not exploitive you can be extremely exploited of the water table the soil fertility and the, and the, and the, and the workforce on an organic farm that's not permaculture um, permaculture goes way beyond organic Bio, biological agriculture is a move beyond organics but I think we should go to terms like soil creative agriculture let's say or ecosystemic agriculture that's more like the future we you know we're, we're well informed today we we don't have to uh, um, you know accept that organic is an answer it, it can be very destructive and still organic especially as it's now trendy so um, uh, I'm not sure how much time you have left but uh, I'm, here's I'm about there mate I've got my breakfast sat in front of me and I've got eight minutes to get in the classroom oh geez <laughs> do you want to try one more question or do you want to stop I've got to stop I think mate okay alright well we're done for the day then okay uh, anything else you want to say about all the stuff anything else um if this works, I'd like to do this again if you want me to. I think it does work, and I do want to do it again sometime. <laughs> so, uh, and I know I've still got lots of questions that people ask me to ask you, um, and, and but we can come back to it some other time. I'm, I'm um, sure they'll, they'll tell us whether they want us or not. <laughs> we'll see what the feedback looks like. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com, or you can even go out to the forums at PRI um, and uh, uh, talk about uh, Jeff Lawton's works and homesteading and permaculture all the time.